0: A heartfelt thank you to a Twin Cities police officer 16 years in the making after a homicide, kidnapping, and hostage situation. The Remarkable Reunion is next. I'd like to welcome Brooklyn Center retired police sergeant Frank Roth. Thank you so much for joining me, sir, to talk about all of this.
1: Hi, Liz. Thank you.
0: I was hoping to start with a bit of an overview. We appreciate your service so much. You served for for quite a long time. I know with a, a couple departments, but but take us back. Uh, tell us about your career and and when you retired.
1: Well, I started in law enforcement in the Robbinsdale Police Department in 1982. I went to Brooklyn Center in 1991, and I retired from there in. 2015 uh, during that course of time I was uh, on the crisis negotiation unit and I supervised it for about the last 20 years of my career
0: and I know that's where this uh, story stands out for you a day you'll never forget uh, you've said May 26 uh, 2007 just just take us back what you remember from that day
1: well it was yeah it was a weekend and it was sunny it was a nice day and uh, we got a we had a call. Of um, a domestic, and the neighbor downstairs at an apartment building was reporting that there was some uh, very hysterical screaming coming from the apartment upstairs. So, two other officers and myself, we responded. The front door was open to the apartment. We walked inside, and there was a female that was laying in a pool of blood, gasping for air. Later, we found out it was Savannah Stevens. She'd been stabbed almost 80 times, by, uh boyfriend, Jermaine Dickerson. We cleared the apartment to make sure nobody else was in there, the suspect, and then we just began to try to save her life. We put in an airway, and she was breathing. We kept her alive until the medics got there. They got her to the hospital, but she passed away a couple hours later.
0: Talk about uh, this how this dramatic scene uh, uh, unfolds. I know an AMBER Alert uh, is issued.
1: Yeah, so it really was an evolving situation. So we had information from Kim that there was a relative that lived in the same apartment complex. So myself and two officers went to the apartment complex. Uh, We left one officer, went to the hospital with Savannah um, in the ambulance, uh, uh, Officer Carlson. And then uh, myself and two other officers, we went over to the apartment that uh, the relative was supposed to live in. And it was Jermaine's relative. And we spoke with a younger adult male and an older adult male, and neither one really were forthcoming with any information. But there was a young boy there, probably six years old, and uh, when we befriended him and talked to him and asked him about his two little girls, he had said that Jermaine had had been there, but he changed clothes and went to Grandma's house. Hmm. Um, so we knew we were on the we knew we were on a path, and then we were able to determine where Grandma lived. And that was out in Brooklyn Park. We sent uh, we sent one more of our officers, as well as some Brooklyn Park officers, went to that address to uh, see if they could locate Jermaine. And by the time they got there, Jermaine had washed up and left. So they had another crime scene there with uh, the blood, hmm. and uh, he had left the six-year-old, but he had left there with his mother and. Uh, Tiana. From there, he went to his aunt's house. And I mean, it, it was pretty evident that he was in flea mode and he stole the aunt's truck and took Tiana with him. And then he had made references that um, he didn't want to live anymore and Tiana wasn't going to live anymore neither. And that was the first time that, that we caught wind of the threats for uh, the suicide and and then for Tiana's safety.
0: So ultimately this Amber Alert is issued and this comes to a, a dramatic ending uh, that is captured on, on camera uh, over the 694 bridge
1: in, in Fridley. Yes, yes it was. As a matter of fact, we had uh, the Amber Alert. Uh, there was Once we were able to put him in a vehicle, that made it possible to go on with the Amber Alert. But the process of putting an Amber Alert out is tedious our detectives and other agencies that were helping us made sure that we got that all taken care of and during the course of the afternoon we had reportings that Jermaine and the truck were down in uh, Steele County and as it worked out he had been down there he had been at a Motel 6 but then he turned around and came back so the amber alert went out at about 4:15 in the afternoon and we started getting hits on it right away and then one of our officers came on the radio that he was chasing a vehicle and you can imagine the the uh, how incredibly busy a a police department is when you're looking for uh, a suspect and and a little girl and lo and behold he was actually chasing Jermaine in the stolen truck and uh he, so he he chased that up and around and Jermaine got onto 694 going eastbound And we got over the Mississippi River, he pulled over to the side and jumped out with Tiana and put both legs over the river side of the bridge and had Tiana and was planning on taking his own life and Tiana's on that bridge.
0: Even all these years later, it's hard to to look back at that video. You just hold your breath. But you're involved with the hostage situation, with the negotiations going on. But just explain that
1: what you're telling him. Even talking to you right now, even though it was over 16 years ago, I still have those feelings come up. When I got there, Officer Tui, who had been chasing the vehicle, uh, he was having um, a brief conversation with Jermaine with and uh, then myself and a t- couple other negotiators, uh, Peggy Broberg and Kim Potter. Um, they assisted me on the bridge. And first I, I started talking with Jermaine, just letting them know, hey, let's slow this down. Let's take a step back here. Let's breathe. Let's make some rational decisions. Things have been going pretty fast for you and for us all day long. You know, nobody's going to get hurt here. Let's just make sure that we have a safe conclusion to what we're doing. During the first couple of minutes, I was just trying different things to see if there was anything I would say or do that I could get a reaction that was something that you could build on. And, and just You're moving forward. Tiana, she was crying as much like a two-year-old baby would in a hectic situation with sirens and not knowing what's going on. And I asked him if I could give him a Kleenex for her, grabbed the Kleenex and reached out and he took it. And once he took it, that's was probably when I felt that this was going to be successful because I knew then that we had a minor breakthrough anyway. And he used the Kleenex to wipe her tears. and, And then she actually she quit crying. And then we just kept talking. And he wanted to know how Savannah was. And I told him that she was all right, that she was a fighter. She was in the hospital. She was she was a fighter and he wanted to go see her. So that became the most important thing to him at that time. And obviously the most important thing to us at that time was to getting Tiana out of his arms and off the bridge and into safety. We talked back and forth. He, he thought I was lying to him. I told him, I, I have no reason to lie to you. I have nothing to, nothing to gain here. He trusted me enough that I told him I'd bring him to the hospital to see Savannah. If, if he would give us Tiana And lo and behold, he did. And uh, he released Tiana to me. And then I in turn gave her to her grandmother and two other officers. Then we went through the process of getting Jermaine off the bridge, laid him down, proned him out, handcuffed him. And then I brought him down to the hospital. Unfortunately, uh, Savannah had passed away earlier that day. But Hmm. that's where we informed him that Savannah was no longer alive.
0: What was that moment like for you, though, uh, Frank? When Tiana, the, the baby, in, in this situation, is is handed over and is safe?
1: You have to be professional, but you had it was kind of a big deal. <laughs> so it was it was very rewarding. It was, it was rewarding for all the officers that were involved. We had just been to a homicide scene. We saw Savannah die, and she'd been stabbed almost eighty times. Did it make that okay? No, but it made it better. Because as as police officers, you always want to make a difference, and I think as a group, we all felt that we had made a difference.
0: Well, absolutely, and I think uh, it, it's incredible you've thought about Tiana after all of this, and fast forward, talk about making a making a difference. But it's just an email that kind of arrives out of the blue j- just recently here to arrange a, a special meeting.
1: You know, it's crazy. You know, obviously, any major cases that you deal with, even even non major things, just there's triggers all the time that bring you back to your law enforcement career. So I was golfing back in early May, and uh, I happened to check my cell phone while I was on the golf course with my buddies, and I had a message from Tiana's adopted father. And uh, as I read it, it was a thank you saying how it had taken 16 years and just wanted to say thank you that Tiana was a prospering young lady, and she was graduating from high school, and she wanted to be a CNA then to become a nurse. and uh, it was, uh, I welled up on the golf course. My buddies asked me what, what was the matter. And so I shared it with them and they welled up too.
0: <laughs> for for good reason. And then, and then this ultimately leads to a meeting and I'm gonna share a social media post recently that said, uh, today I had the honor of meeting one of the officers who saved me, May 26, 2007 from dangling over a bridge, that being retired police Sergeant Frank Roth. After 16 years, I was finally able to figure out who had saved me, and contacted him. He answered many questions and was such a sweet soul. Really just an incredible moment, but but take us back. What was that like for you?
1: It was incredible. Uh, (laughs) It was incredible. Tiana's a very beautiful young lady. She's got a great future ahead of her, and just glad that, you know, at that point in their life, uh, I was able to be there.
0: No secret that These have been some dark days for for law enforcement, uh, especially in Minnesota, but it sounds like uh, just meeting Tiana has restored your faith a bit in in protecting and serving and, you know, just how much uh, that profession matters.
1: Absolutely. The, uh, absolutely. The officers right now are, you know, they're good officers. They're good people. And that story just that doesn't get told, and it takes you know stuff like this where where people can realize uh, different. You know, that cops do some good things, but let me tell you, the 99.9 percent of the cops out there, all they want to do is make a difference and, and uh, help their communities. You know, any time that you see, and there's been a lot of them lately, officers that are getting killed in line of duty. It isn't, it, it isn't ironic that they are all um, cherished by their communities, because most of the officers in their communities are cherished. It just happened to be that the officer that, that died and now has their story told is amazing. And that's how most of these departments are. They have amazing officers.
0: I think that's a great message, though, that many of us should think about um, those little girls like like Tiana. But thank you so much, uh, Frank, for bringing this story to my attention and and being willing to share it. We appreciate it so much.
1: Thank you, Liz. You do a great
0: job. Again, Frank Roth, thank you for your service, sir. (laughs) Thank you. And we are lucky enough now to be joined by Tiana Brickman, uh, who lives out of state now. Uh, I understand, but gosh, what what a moment! I just uh, w- was hoping to to talk a little bit, Tiana, about, about why this was something uh, that was so important for you to do—to to reach out and uh, meet now retired uh, Frank Roth.
2: Um, I think that it was one of the most like amazing experiences I've had. Just finally being able to realize who had saved me and contacting them, and finally just meeting him and getting to talk and see what he had witnessed and all that.
0: And uh, Frank did mention that that you were adopted. Now, just talk about uh, how you're doing. You sound like really an amazing lady, and I know that your mom has been an important through throughout your life. There's many pictures of you holding a, a picture of her. Just actually recently at your high school graduation.
2: I'm doing good. I'm going to school to be a nurse. Um, I have five siblings now. I live in North Carolina.
0: Talk about what you were able to um, share with uh, Sergeant Roth uh, dur- during your meeting. I understand he was able to answer some questions for you. And it sounded like some some healing, perhaps, in a way, took took place that day.
2: I just asked him about how it was talking with him while I was on the bridge. Because in the video, once they were trying to get me down, I saw that he was the main like negotiator. So I was asking him about that. I'm sure he knew all the right things to say, of course. I just think that it was great that he was there and he could say all the right things.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know it sounds like you credit him with, with saving your life. The reason you're here to this day. Yes, I do. And you mentioned uh, wanting to be a nurse and and helping people, which I think is remarkable as as well. And you seem to be very outspoken about uh, domestic violence and, Um, talk about, talk about that, that where your inner strength comes from. I think it's hard for us to even imagine, uh, you know, the the way that, that, that your life began.
2: Looking at this story that it could help more people, um, get help, you know, not just stay in the same situation. Otherwise things could happen to you, to your family, to others around you. I'm sure it was even traumatizing for Frank and other officers and for like people who saw like the Amber Alert and stuff who are probably wondering whatever happened and all this stuff, I think that more people should reach out. Um, and if they can't get out that situation, then just know that there's someone who cares.
0: Certainly so many people care about you, uh, Tiana. Thank you so much for being willing to to share your your story. And it's uh, amazing to see how, how well you're doing. Thank you. You're welcome, of course. Again, Tiana Brickman. And that will do it for this episode of Liz Collin Reports.